please turn to Revelation chapter 9, reading the entire chapter. When you find your place, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like a smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were all allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, and their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like the te lion's teeth. They had breastplates like the breastplate of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. Then they have a, as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in he Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollon. The first woe is past, but two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision. And those who rode them, they wore breastplates, the color of fire and sapphire, and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders of their, or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their threats. So reading the word, you may be seated. As always with Revelation, there's a lot going on in each chapter. We're actually going to take two weeks to, to get through this chapter, so... Next Sunday is Mother's Day, and we'll have a special message to, to encourage the moms and, and lift everyone up. And so a week after that, we'll, we'll finish this part of Revelation 9. Like I said, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about what it will view uh, from, from Earth's perspective, those that are down here. And we got the great throne room, and, and Christ, the, the lion that has conquered, the, the one who is the Lamb of God, has come forward, he's taken the scroll, and he's started to break open the seals. And, and we see the... the the, the seals unleash all these different things and then with the seventh seal we see trumpets are starting to be blown and we, we see one crying out uh, in heaven saying woe, woe, woe to them that dwell on the earth. I tell you it will not be a good time to dwell on the earth when, when these seals are broken. A lot of times as we look we have what uh, Billy Graham um, once famously said to, to take the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in another. We, we, we call these uh, newspaper exegetes. The problem with this is sometimes we try to make the newspaper fit into the Bible. And instead of looking at the Bible and saying, this is what the Word of God has said, and acknowledging it when it has come to pass. Too, too, too often we, 
we, we get excited and say, we see this happening, is this, is this going on? And I, I, would, I would remind you that there's, there's certain things that have to happen in prophecy before the Great Tribulation. But one, one of those things for us that, that I do not want you to, to worry about the things that fall upon those on the earth is that you, church, will be called home. You will be in heaven. You will be raptured. You do not need to worry about, about the, the, the scorpion sting. You do not need to worry about the, the, the horse's head being like a snake stinging you. It's not meant for you. No more than the flood was meant for Noah. Noah was lifted up and above, and we will as well. I want us to remind us that um, when we look at the kind of the newspaper exegete type model, what, what do we see happening? We, we look at the world and history through the perspective of the United States. The problem is the United States is not very old, and that's not the timeline we should be using. We should be looking at the nation of Israel. They, that is God's timeline. That is what has been prophesied about. You can search long and hard all throughout the Bible, and you will not find one mention in the United States. You can try, try and force it in there, but it's not in there. What is in there is, is the, the apple of God's eye, the people of Israel. And so, as we, we talk about that, let's, let's look at the signs that, that were talked about that, that will precede the, the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is those final seven years that, that we're looking over and down on the earth. So the first major sign of the end of the age, or this period in time, it's not, not truly the end of the world, but the, the end of this age. It's from Matthew, where Jesus speaks. Jesus left the temple, was going away, when his disciples came to the point, out to him, the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will, be not, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he said, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And Jesus answers them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Just to put in context what's going on here with, with this chapter in Matthew 24, the Pharisees in chapter 23 are trying to trap Jesus. They're asking him trapping questions so they could disqualify him as a possible Messiah. They did not want to recognize his authority. They did not want to recognize Jesus for who he is, the living Son of God, the Messiah, who would take away the, the sins from the people. We have many people today. And maybe some are here that they don't really want to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They don't want to give him that authority over their lives. And so we try to make accusations and we try to, to make up things. But you will not trap Jesus. Jesus is the author of life. He is indeed the very word itself. He is the word of God. When we, we talk about the Bible being the holy word, there, there's nothing holy about this the binding in here. Or the, the leather outside or the pages. What, what is holy is the very word of God that is, is reprinted in, in our language so that we can understand it. Amen. That is what is holy. Christ himself is holy. And Jesus warns them. says, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being sentenced to hell? Understand who has that authority. It is Jesus. When, G, when we say Jesus will save you from your sins... The judge is offering you a pardon. And when you mock the judge, you're not going to get pardoned. He, he goes on 
to talk about Jerusalem and her children. He said, long have I desired to gather you up as a mother hen gathers her chicks in her wings. But it was not to be that day. That's what Jesus longed. He did not want what was about to happen to, to happen to the people, but they rejected him. As the, the prophecies had said, just like the prophecies we're just about to read, you cannot stop it from happening. Amen. There's no way around it. So let's get into it. What is the, the sign of the end of the age? This is what Jesus said to them. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. There's a man that was born in around 880 named Muhammad. Many people view him as the Christ, the Messiah. He is not. There have been many other sins who claim to, to have some special message from God that makes them uniquely qualified. They are all blasphemers and liars and will have their part in the lake of fire. Amen. Jesus makes no bones about it. There will be false messiahs. So we cannot use the presence of false messiahs as the sign of the end of the age. Because there always has been and there always will be until the very end. We can't just take wars and rumors of wars. But, but when, what, what he, he tells us is this. For nation will rise against nation. This is the part we need to be looking for. And a kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these will be but the beginning of the birth pains. For us adults here, I don't think I have to go through what birth pains means. But for the sake of the, the kids here, when, when a child is about to be born, the mother goes has these great pains inside her called contractions. At first they, they start off slow and they're painful but not that bad. But they increase and they get worse and worse and worse to the point that they're almost unbearable. But right as they, they feel to that point, the child is born and she forgets about the pain and holds the gift of God in her arms. And she praises God for that. And that is what the end will be like. We will see these things increasing, getting worse and worse and worse. And the world will be crying out, not knowing how to deal with all this pain. But then the child will be born. The Messiah will return. Christ our King. We will see Him in the clouds. And we will say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Those are exciting times that we should look forward to. Amen. But specifically, we, He talks about wars and rumors of wars. But then He goes on to say, Kingdom shall rise against kingdom. And nation shall rise against nation. You can search the, the history of the world over. There's only been one period in time this description fits. What do you think that is? Started with World War I. And then World War II. And the historians will tell you World War I and World War II were really one war. There was a little lull between the nations. But the same nations fighting each other. Never before has it been never truer that peace really just is that time between war. That's the age we live in. And we can look since then at the other wars. There has been uh, the U.S. and Russia fighting proxy wars with each other. You know, the democracy versus communism. And later on, we'd see the West versus Islam. And we see that war after war today. The same players, Russia, the United States, the Middle Eastern Islamic countries, they're fighting right now. Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, Syria, Lebanon. They are fighting over and over and over again. These are the nations rising up against each other. So that, that, that meets check mark one, but he says that there will be pestilences, diseases. Have we, have we seen that during this time? Yes. We, we have. Let me, let me give you a few examples. Starting in 1914, where World War I starts, in 1918, 23 million died of disease related to the war from World War I. 23 million died of disease. 
not of the actual fighting, but, but the aftermath. In 1920, the Great Chinese Famine killed 36 million Chinese people. 40 more million died in utero because their mothers were so malnourished that they could not be born. They do not have enough nutrition. 1921, the Great Russian Famine estimates 8 million died. 1929, as we all know, the Great Depression. There's an estimated between 8 and 12 million deaths related to the Great Depression. In this time period, that's roughly 120 million died during the periods of World War I and World War II from pestilence, from diseases. So the one final sign that Jesus gave was earthquakes. There's been a few earthquakes. I'll go over the ones that have done major damage during this time period. In 1905 in India, 19,000 people were killed from an earthquake. 1906 in Chile, 20,000. 08 in Italy, 70,000. In Italy again in 1915, 30,000. In Indonesia in 1917, 15,000. 1918, China, 10,000. China again in 1920, 200,000. 1923, Japan, 143,000. It goes on and on, thousands and thousands and thousands. But this is where it really gets interesting. We, we now have the, the technology, look back at the history of the world when there was earthquakes, we, we can do geographical studies and uh, geometrical studies of the plates and, and when the earthquakes are. From AD 30, when Jesus enters his ministry, to AD 1000, the world records five major earthquakes. They define a major earthquake as one capable of killing 10,000 or more people. That is a major earthquake, five of them. The 14th century had 157. The 15th century had 174. The 16th century had 253. The 17th, 278, like the birth pains are increasing. 18th century, 640. 19th century, anyone want to take a guess? 2,119. The 20th century, want to guess? 900,000. I tell you with all clarity that the scriptures are coming true that Jesus spoke about that the end of days is upon us. The reality, if you take 900,000 and do the math, that's an earthquake every hour. That's a lot of contractions. That's a lot of birth pain. We need to realize that Christ is about to come again. Spoke about it in the discipleship class about adoption. We need to live as if we are adopted by the Most High God. Live lives worthy of that adoption. Christ is coming. You do not want want him to return and find you unworthy. We need to be ready and living our lives as if he's about to return because he is about to return. Probably the greatest prophetic sign in all of scripture of, of what was to happen is the rebirth of Israel. Israel being the nation again. World War II helped spawn what's called the Zionist movement, which borrowed the phrase from the Christian Restoration Movement, a land without a people for a people without a land. As you know, World War II, over six million Jews were killed. And so the, the, the leaders in Europe said, well, look at their homeland in Israel. It's barren. There's hardly anyone there. So, so they shipped them back. And, and many returned. May 15, 1948, Israel became a nation again. There were two countries that acknowledged her. You know who two, what the two countries are? United States and Russia. Who are your two world superpowers? I will bless those, Abraham, who bless you. Understand, there, there have been many men and women who have worked hard to make this country great. But this country is great because of God's blessing. <coughs> you again, go against God's people, you'll see this country very quickly not be great. 
And I believe we're already seeing that. Now, I want us to understand this regathering of the people to Israel. These are not the Messianic Jews, the believers in the Messiah. This is part one of a two-part phase of regathering that Part one includes gathering ethnic Israel, but not, not the believers in Messiah, but people who are very much like the Americans today. You go out there and people will say, I'm American, yeah, I'm Christian, but when you get down to it and you examine their life and you look for the fruit, there is no evidence of it, and that's what you'll find in Israel today. There is so little evidence of uh, people believing in Jesus. These are, not, these are not the people when Jesus said, I will not come again until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are not yet that people, but a day will soon come. And this is in fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy in chapter 20. Now, as, as we, we look on, you know, this would, would bring us to 1967, what's known as the Six-Day War. Israel is attacked, and they defend themselves, and they, they beat back all their attackers in six days. I want you to understand what has happened here. Every nation of the, of the Muslims in the Middle East got together and attacked Israel. I want you to imagine every major nation that lives around the United States, if they attacked us, what would happen? Maybe we'd be able to defend ourselves because of our military might, but it would not be pretty. But in six days, they put down over 20 nations. You want, to, you, you want to know a little history, the, the issues they talk about on the news about the Palestinians today. They're really not Palestinians. They're descendants of, of the same soldiers from, from the 67 and the Six-Day War. The countries would not allow them back in because they have shamed Allah. Because Allah is never supposed to lose a war. Well, guess what? He's a false god. Amen. He's going to lose every war. Amen. And through, through God's mighty hand... They, they not only won the war, but they retook Jerusalem, their, their capital city. They retook the Golan Heights in the north, which is a very strategic defense point. And that's why nobody's tried to attack them militarily since then. They, they've done it through guerrilla warfare. So when, when we look at, at all the things that, that um, God, God said would be, that they're starting to come to place. Now there's one, now the things we talk about now will be yet future, but there's one thing in the future that, that we look at, and um, any of you that have studied prophecy or any period of time will come across the names Gog and Magog, the War of the Northern Alliance. This war will happen before the tribulation, and we could talk about why, why that is specifically in a minute. But what happens here, and I want us to understand that the, the word uh, Gog is a word simply, is a title. It means Pharaoh, Kaiser, Czar, President. It, it's that type of word. So when they say Gog and Magog, they're saying the leader of Magog. And so we, we look and um, it says there's an alliance between Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. This is from Ezekiel. And you and I will hear those names. We don't really recognize those names, do we? They're, they're not something that pops off the charts on the map to us. But in Ezekiel's day, they, they were all tribes of a, a foreign entity. That's where all those tribes resided. Modern-day Russia. And in fact, the capital was Magog, which now is known as Moscow. And it, Ezekiel is warned that, the, that God will put hooks into the jaw of Magog and pull him down into war. And what's going to happen? He said, if you looked to the extreme north, and if you were to take a line on a map from Jerusalem and go exactly north, you'd run right into the capital of Russia. Moscow. And so what's happening? Russia is going to get together 
with some of the, the Muslim countries. Now, I wanna, wanna point out that the Muslim countries that Russia gets together with are not Arab countries. They are Muslim countries outside of the Middle East area. We have Persia in Iran. We have Kush in Ethiopia, Put in Somalia. Gomer is Germany. You, you can look, they all translate, and these are the historical peoples with a new name. And then we have Togomar, which is modern-day Armenia. Why do they go, and it says the world is not happy because they go and attack Israel. Why do they go? For selfish reasons. Simply to, to acquire wealth, to take oil, to, to, to take the spoils. They have no desire to conquer and live in that land, as most wars are fought over. They, they desire to go and take what they have. So this will happen before the tribulation, and all the requirements for this are set up now. Nation is, Israel is a nation, and Ezekiel's prophecy said the wastelands will be inhabited, and Israel is living with unwalled villages. That's the prophecy he said, let us go down to Israel and attack them without walls. But what happens in this war? This is the thing that will bring the regathering of the faithful to Israel. The entire world will recognize that Israel does not win this war. Their God does. Amen. Amen. There will be so many dead soldiers on the battlefield that Ezekiel says it will take seven years to bury the bodies. It will take another seven months to clear the fields from all the machinery to dis dis disable that. And that is why this prophecy cannot take place during the tribulation. Tribulation is seven years. If seven months and seven years are decreed for cleanup, something is not happening the, the way it would be in the tribulation. So we know this is one of those prophecies that must take beforehand. God will fight for them, as he always has. Every time somebody's tried to attack Israel since they've been reborn, they have failed miserably, absolutely miserably. This will lead up to the one thing, probably as Americans, we dread the most. Whether you like it or not, we, we are people who like democracy. We are people who like the rights that we have. We, we like being a sovereign nation. But scripture declares that there will be a one world government. We won't like it. But outside of our current president, about every president in the past, in my lifetime, has talked about a one world government. They've used it in speeches. They, they've made uh, um, policies to help implement this. It's where the, the, the world is going. And it should not make you afraid. When you see these things happening, you should look up and know your redemption is near. Mm -hmm. And this will lead to a divided world. The one world government will not last, and it will divide into ten kingdoms. And this will give rise to the first seal, the first horse of the apocalypse known as the Antichrist. He will not be recognized right away. You and I will not recognize him. But we will be called up in the rapture. But after we are gone, and the Holy Spirit is removed, who is known as the restrainer to the Antichrist, that day will come where he will reveal himself. And to many, he'll feel like Jesus and sound like Jesus and do things Jesus did because he is an antichrist. He is a false messiah. He will perform many miracles and deceive many. He, he will offer peace to Israel. They will sign a seven-year peace treaty with him. And that will begin the, the period known as the Great Tribulation. We look at the second seal, and you'll see war breaks out across the earth. Three kingdoms of the ten will fall, and they will be afraid to make war with the Antichrist. The third seal will come and cause great famine all over the world. Many will die, but it says, Do not hurt the oil and the wine. In God's mercy, the, the medicine, the, the things that bring healing, are, are not hurt. The fourth seal is probably, to me, is 
the scariest of all the horsemen. He's scarier than the Antichrist. And that is the, the, the horseman that, that kills with sword, famine, disease, or pestilence. And wild animals. Will kill a fourth of the world. Today that would be around just under 2 billion people. That is going to be a scary time for the world. But you and I as Christians will be in heaven and will be saved. Glorify your name, Lord. Answer our prayers that we pray for 2,000 years. Bring your, your kingdom that is in heaven. Establish it here on earth. And that is what God is doing. We looked at the fifth seal. We, we saw the mass persecution of the tribulation saints. 144,000 are sealed. And Jesus tells them a little while longer. And we see the sixth seal. The recognition that the... And to me this is probably one of the most amazing points in all of Revelation. Now the people on earth with the opening of the sixth seal are starting to recognize they are under the wrath of God. And they're saying, hide me from the Lamb, from the face of the Lamb, and from His great day of judgment. They pray to the rocks that the rocks would fall on them. But they do not repent. It boggles the mind, boggles our heart, but they refuse to repent. The seventh seal, which we discussed recently, was these uh, trumpets that are opened up. The first one, we, a third of the dry ground is burned up. The second one, oceans are struck by what sounds like a supernatural volcano killing a third of the sea life and a third of the ships at sea. Now, I, on the fourth trumpet that we talked about last week, I want to make a point that you'll see in Revelation, it talks a lot about stars, doesn't it? Stars falling down. I would remind you of what Isaiah the prophet said. That the, the stars, that there was one who, who fell like a star. His name was Lucifer. These fallen stars, this wormwood that they discussed in the others, these are the demons. They are being unleashed on the world. For their judgment is coming as well. So it talks about these demons that have been bound up for ages are now being released and they are part of God's judgment. And finally, the fourth one we read about last week, a third of the day and night no longer give light. seems the sun is still shining, but there is something that is supernaturally blocking it during the day and the night. And why I brought all this up, why I brought this earthly point of view to you is some, sometimes we can read it from the heaven point of view, and, it, and, it, and it, sounds, it sounds great. We don't really put our mind around what is about to happen to all those who live here on earth, those who do not know Christ. And if you're... If you're one of those, I, I would have the, these words strike your heart that even if this day you do not repent, that when you see these signs, you remember these words. You remember what God has spoken that is going to happen. Because they, they are on their way. You know, we, we can kick and scream and try to stop them. You're not going to stop them. We see many people in our day say, you know, we need to stop global warming. You're not going to stop global warming because God is going to set this place on fire. Amen. There's no way, no way around that. We, we need to acknowledge what is about to happen. If we believe the Word of God, we need to stick to what the Word of God says. We need to stop trusting newspapers and, and news reporters over what the Word of God says. But there's many scientists who will tell you this and tell you that. You know what? They're all human. They're all fallible. They, they all give in to pressure. Understand that God's word never does. Amen. Some of you will say, well, you know, I'm probably going to die before that day. I tell you that you assume too much. You do. You do not know how long God has given you. Amen. Some of you may not be here tomorrow. 
Some of you may be here in 30 years. That is up to God to decide. I would have you know Tuesday marked the 69th year since Israel has been a nation on the Jewish calendar. David said 70 years is a generation. God is working. God is moving. God is preparing to take his church home. And he's preparing to allow his son, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, to pour out his wrath. We have but a little time. We don't have time to mess around and argue about things that don't really matter. What we have time to do is be disciples for Jesus. Share his gospel. Share the good news while we still have time to do so. I hope when that, that time comes for, for the Christians, that when you see these things happening, you do not be afraid. You do not say, what am I going to do? And the Muslims are doing this, or they're allowing this to be taught in schools. Or the, 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 the U.S. is giving up its sovereignty. Do not worry about those things. Understand that you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. That nothing will touch you. That you belong to Christ. They don't have authority over you. They don't have authority over the kingdom. Especially as Americans, when we look at democracy, a day is coming very soon when Jesus Christ will return and democracy will die forever. Mm -hmm. Understand clearly, when Jesus is king, there's no re-election. He is king forever and ever. Amen. We read in the end of Revelation... There's a group of people who decide to rise up against King Jesus in the millennium. What happens? They have one of those fancy protests that we see on TV all the time, right outside of Jerusalem, and the Father says, no, no, hellfire. <laughs> They're gone forever. God has a different way of dealing with rebellion than you and I do. He does not put up with it. He does not put up with sin. Examine your hearts. Christ may come this very hour. Are you really ready to see the face of the Lamb of God? Or is it going to terrify you? Some of us, it should terrify us. Terrify us to our knees where we get down on our knees and repent. Amen. Can I remind you of the words of Luke 21? Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Christians, you have no reason to worry. But I want to say one final statement. There are many people, and there may be some in this room, but there's definitely all throughout our neighborhoods and our families that say they know Jesus. I'll remind you, Satan knows Jesus. Amen. Satan's fate is already sealed. Mm -hmm. Your fate is not. <coughs> Before you is the altar. You can bend the knee and receive the salvation that, that Christ gives willingly now. Amen. You're going to find it much harder You'll find it in when the Great Tribulation comes that there will be a whole military force looking for Christians for the simple purpose of killing them. Mm -hmm. They will not dare hear God's declaration declared. There will be many things God does during that time. It will be hard to, to believe, to, to stand as a Christian. You'll come to church and your pastor won't be here. The government won't allow this church to be here. <coughs> You can come now why it's easy. Come now why Jesus has offered it to you. Amen. Or you can wait. You can be stubborn and, and pretend you know Jesus. There's many here that pretend to know Jesus. How many actually do? Maybe the better question is, how many people here does Jesus know? Because we are not the ones that get open the scrolls to the book of life and say, 
I know Jesus, I'm in. You don't get to register your own name. He registers your name for you. He says, Father, here is the, the invite list to the wedding. These are all the people that know me, and I know them, and I am inviting them, for they are my bride. All these people, I offered them an invitation, but they refused. So now when they come, and they try to come into your presence, Father, they do not have the proper attire. They are not wearing what you would wear to a wedding. Jesus gives a parable about this. What will there be? There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, because the Father will throw them out into utter darkness. Call it hell. It does not need to be you. You do not have to endure that. What you need to do is, is make yourself right to God. You need to open your heart, expose your sins, and say, Father, forgive me. I need the blood of your Son. I need the salvation that, that you offered me through your Son, Jesus Christ. Do not wait another day. Amen. I said, you do not know the time appointed for your death. And some of you will never die. You should rejoice in that. But also you should live accordingly. Amen. Great things have been given to you. Great expectations are made of you. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that's what you are to be, Amen. means that you are to live your life for him. You are to follow him. You are to surrender all to him. Have you done that? If you have not, I encourage you to do it this day. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for the many blessings, Lord. I give you thanks for the great honor of being able to bend the knee to you, Lord God, and, and to receive forgiveness of our sins, salvation of our souls. Most importantly, Lord, we thank you that you allow us to be disciples. You allow us to be co-heirs in your kingdom. Bring your kingdom quickly, Lord. We know all the things that, that are about to come to pass. Your word declares them to us. But we are not afraid, for we look up and, and we see our redemption in you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen.